0: Hello, my name is Sean Keith. I am your Sunday School Discipleship Strategist for Louisiana Baptist. Thank you for joining today's podcast uh, Current Trends for Those Who Lead Small Group Ministry in the Local Church. Listen, we recognize that ministry can be demanding, mundane, and even frustrating. One minute you can be leaping for joy at the spiritual life change of a new believer or an individual who's growing and learning to serve God in obedience. Yet in the very next moment, you can experience frustration when a small group leader doesn't show up. But regardless of where you may be right now, I want us today to delve into the professional and personal life of those who coordinate and lead those who make disciples who make disciples through the small group ministry in your local church. Joining me today is Bo Guidry. He is a director of small groups at First Baptist Church of Moss Bluff, Louisiana. Bo has a creative mind for ministry and a passionate love for making disciples. Also joining us today is Jason Keyes. He is the Associate Pastor of Discipleship at East Leesville Baptist Church in Leesville, Louisiana. Jason is passionate about his leadership role in a challenging community. He loves his family and understands the push and pull between his ministry role and home life. Paul Keating is our third guest. Paul is a discipleship and evangelism pastor for First Baptist Church of Denham Springs in Louisiana. With a background in information technology, he has keen insight into the tools and resources needed for ministry in today's culture. I hope today that our conversation will challenge, inspire, or equip you to rise to the opportunity that God has for you in ministry. Well, welcome to today's topic, uh, Current Trends in Christian Education. And we hope to, to share with you some insights, ideas, and thoughts and encouragement as we lead our small group ministry to make disciples who make disciples. So now let's start with Bo Guidry. As our first guest, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, I'm originally from South Louisiana, and I love it here. I can't imagine uh, living any other place on the planet uh, I've recently been accused of a man who just rows around in a P-Row in the swamp. And, uh, uh, that that's a, that's a, I fit the bill in that, uh, I've been married to my wife, Olivia, uh, for going on 17 years. We have two kids and, um, one is 13 and one is seven, a boy and a girl. And, uh, sometimes, uh, this may be too much information, but, uh, Sometimes parenting feels like negotiating with terrorists. And so it's also a good training ground. It's also a good training ground for uh, being in local church ministry as well. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Amen. That's wonderful. Now, Jason
2: Keyes, won't you tell us a few things about yourself as well? Yeah, I am the pastor of discipleship and education at East Leesville Baptist Church, and it actually just happens to be my home church. So I've been there just a little bit over three years. Uh, I am married to my wife, Heather. We have three children as well. Uh, we live in um, the hometown where I grew up, and uh, we were able, uh, fortunately, to move into the house where my mother grew up in. So my grandmother and grandfather's house built there, and so we've been able kind of to Uh, transform that almost to like a mini hobby farm, a little homestead area. So we raise our own chickens. We got 15 chickens the other day that we're going (laughs) to process and all that fun stuff at the house so if y'all want to come up for that day i'll let you know to be sometime in july in august Uh, Um, i don't don't do well with that i don't do well (laughs) with that no so we got a big old garden and and some cows and uh i've I've turned from what i thought i was going to be to farmer joe of all things
0: (laughs) well thank you farmer jason so moving on to paul keating why don't you tell us a few things about yourself
3: Yeah. Um, I'm Paul Keating. I'm the discipleship pastor over at First Baptist Church, Denham Springs, been here two years when I came in, uh, it was 2020 and now everybody says I brought COVID with me. So, uh, (laughs) that's, that's where it goes with everything. They all blame me for it. Uh, I'm married to Abby. We've been married going on three years at the end of this month. And, um, we raise, like, uh, he said, we, we raise. uh, ducks instead of chickens and no we're not going to slaughter them Uh, so that, that we just take them for their eggs and uh, so all I'd say is go Saints, go Tigers, and go fishing. Amen.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's yeah. take a few moments and ask some questions and give uh, the opportunity for us to really explore uh, what's happening in Christian education today. So our first question, uh, Bo Guidry, will not you answer this? Uh, what are your primary ministry goals and objectives for the next six to 12 months? And how do you put that together?
1: Well, Quite honestly, I was going to plan on listening to this podcast so I could know <laughs> how to answer that. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think we have um, a pretty good plan together. Uh, and just like most people listening to this podcast and in the church world, uh, not only did we have a lot of pivots that exhausted us as leaders, it, it also exhausted and isolated our people Uh, who are leading within our church. And so pastoral care is a number one priority for our leaders uh, right now because they are, in essence, pastoring our church through the small group model. And so we're paying a lot of attention to them. And so whether that would be uh, coffee or uh, Olivia and I love to have uh, them into our home and have a meal together, Um, we're just working on not only, uh, well, quite honestly, we do not talk X's and O's and strategy with them. We just love on them and let them uh, be a part of our lives. And so that is a path that we have chosen uh, that will probably ne- never end. Uh, in regard to uh, leadership development, uh, that is strategy stuff. Uh, we are creating a leadership pipeline. And what I mean, but that's not my term, by the way, but... Um, a leadership pipeline would would kind of look like an organizational chart, yeah. Uh, but it's more task oriented. Uh, so an example is that uh, so if I'm I am the small groups pastor at our church, and um, we have quite a few small group leaders, and most of our groups have at least two leaders within them a leader a co leader and most Actually, have a third leadership position. Right. There's no way that I can care for intimately care for 150 leaders, uh, and so what we've done is we've created coaches and champions. And so a coach is coaching both strategy and caring for five to seven leaders. Yeah, uh, and so we're in we're in the path of creating that. Uh, right now, and it's already producing fruit, and so I'm sure that we're not going to stay where we are. Uh, we're probably going to learn some yeah. things by making mistakes and find some successes. Do you have any specific the,
0: stated goals that you've worked on, or anything that you, as a staff, have put together that relates to these two topics of care ministry, pastoral ministry, and and pipeline?
1: Yeah, so uh, we are again in the in the, uh, we're in the process of putting acute goals. And yeah. so, uh, and, and that we're going to try to start counting the things that really count. Right. Uh, and so we're creating lead measures. Um, so a goal for me as a staff pastor is that I'm going to make contact with 10 to 15 leaders each week. Awesome. Um, and so and then our coaches are gonna make contact uh with at least intimately contacted at least one person in their coaching network once a week. And so it's it's bite-sized pieces. So yeah. it's not like a grand vision uh that's being unveiled. Um it's just simple steps. Yeah. That and ultimately the Go
0: ahead. I was just going to say, I, I'm actually doing something very similar. I'm the interim pastor at Philadelphia Baptist Church uh, of Education, and I'm doing something very similar to that because we're finding out that uh, instead of just going in and saying, I need you to do this, we walk in and say, how are you doing? Tell me what's working, yes. what's not working, and then what do you need? Uh, so what do you think about that? Are these some of the types of questions that you might ask?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... And so I, I would say that that's, that's both care and strategy. And so what we're asking, and, and this is an answer to another question later in the podcast, but uh, we're asking questions to just discover how they are doing as an individual. And then what what comes out of that will be some strategy talk to help them become more healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me pop, let me move on to our next question, Paul. Um Keating, and uh, has your talk about your current structure and how is how is you, how you're doing your ministry, how you schedule it, and how you put it together your structure. Uh, how is it either benefiting or impeding your ministry progress? And if so, why and how?
3: Yeah. So uh, when you talk about Sunday morning structure and uh, small groups, the DNA of our church is just so much ingrained in Sunday morning grow groups. Uh, we tried to switch during COVID season into doing some home groups and every one of those home groups wanted to come home. (laughs) (laughs) So, so they're all at the church. And, uh, so what that's created is, uh, COVID forced us to get a three services. We were doing two, we needed to move to three, but we wanted it to happen organically. Well, COVID made it where we needed to space people out more. And so we moved to three. And so we decided we're going to stay with three, even Mm -hmm. post COVID times because honestly we need more space. Um, God's just been blessing us in that area. And so what we have is three services, one traditional service at eight 15 and two contemporary services at nine thirty and 11. And we, the issue that we have is our, our children and our youth. Yeah, uh, yeah, they don't have the volunteers and leaders to sustain or support doing, two different hours for that because what we'd like to do is mirror our nine 30 and 11 service where we would have small groups and worship at, uh, nine 30 and small groups and worship at 11. And so in trying to work through that, we're just praying that God would, uh, make it, make it where it happens best. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you try to force something before it's time and God has a different plan for it, but that's been our struggle as of late at nine 30, we have a quagmire because our, <laughs> Early service uh, folks, they come and they want to go to small group at 9 30. Well, our younger uh folks who have kids that get small groups at uh nine thirty, well, they want to come to nine thirty. Right. So at our nine thirty hour, we have zero rooms available. But at eight fifteen and eleven, which I have a couple groups in both, uh, or one group in both, uh, we uh we have all the room and space available in the world. And so that's just been a hard structure for us.
0: Yeah. One of the things we we used to call that the law of diminishing return because everybody wants to be in a certain hour. And so you might yeah. get sixty percent of your people in Bible study at one hour, and then the other two hours it's hard to get people to come to. And I know that's, I mean, that's a dilemma, especially when you have a space
3: issue. So um, yeah, and, and you know what's happened to our nine thirty services? Uh, you typically have those people who are connected in a small group, and then you have those people that come to your church that are not. Guess what service they go? Yeah. They go to nine thirty. And so that nine thirty service is growing, but as soon as they connect into the life of the church, guess where they transition to? Yep. Small group at nine thirty, right. worship at eleven. Yeah. So it <laughs> it, it does. It's a self defeating.
0: <laughs> so I mean, let me open this up to any of you, because uh, a lot of us have had to deal with this. Uh, so Paul or, or Jason or Bo, I mean, what are how do you how do you combat that? How do you try to move people to other hours? What are some things that have worked? Anybody want to try to comment on that one?
1: Besides I mean, sending them home, things that we've, <laughs> yeah, well, if you want to talk about things we've tried more than what, what has worked, uh, mm. I probably could do that. Um, so we had a similar a situation, uh, that Paul has and, um, we did uh, three time slots with two small group hours and we went to three time slots or, uh, with three, uh, small group hours on campus in conjunction with doing off campus groups. Um, and so now we've, we had to build a new building, uh, to accommodate worship better. And so we're in, uh, two hours. And so whenever you think about going off campus, um, yeah, what we did is we we weren't, we weren't necessarily running out of adult space. We were running out of families like young adults, young kids, you know, from preschool through preteen, uh, we were out. And so, uh, we had to start giving adult education space away to kid men. Uh, and so that, that's how we've been able to navigate it. And because we already had a home group model going, yeah. some of these campus groups have moved off campus. I know you said it, you know, that would be an exclusion, but, uh, we weren't out of room because of adults. We were out of room because of kids,
0: and I know yeah. we've we've I've faced that in the past, too. And sometimes the only way you can get classes, to, uh, people to move is just to move the class, the whole class to a different hour. Yeah. So, well, let's move on to another question. So let me bring in Jason on this one. Currently, what do you think is the greatest challenge to your ministry and how do you how do you plan to address it?
2: For us, um, the the biggest issue that I've had or that we've had and this is even before COVID um, was that people are one and done in our area so you know like the college player they they're in one year and then they they turn pro uh, that's kind of been our our experience here they they're one and done service they go into the usually it's the 9:30 service so for for me and paul it's it's swapped 9:30 service is usually our largest service uh, but 11 o'clock small group hour is our lowest attended hours for small groups because for so long uh, it's just kind of been let's go to church And let's do our worship service and then let's let's go home. Um, And so what I've tried to do, um, the first thing that that we tried to do and it didn't work was um, almost throw in two more classes, really, two or three more classes. And it it just didn't work because the people still just didn't care. I don't say they didn't care, but they just didn't care to stay. Um, So what we're trying to do now is make uh, and this sounds very cliche and very old, but it's working um, is to make contact with them. Is yeah. actually go talk to them right um it's to have yeah. the teachers actually reach out to them so whether that's either with a new guest that comes in and leaves us a card or the qr code online uh, we'll send that immediately to the small group teachers and they're able to make a point of, you know point of contact there uh, but from really it's just going into the service talking to them knowing who they are and encouraging them to stay and to see the need not really just to stay for class so that we can have an attendance number Right. But it's to have that fellowship to show them that this is actually something that that we need as believers to think COVID now even more um, than what our culture was or my generation is. Um, it's kind of leave me alone. Let me do my own thing. And right. don't bother me. Um, COVID really created more or more of that. So now, you know, our services were all streamed online. Well, now there's really no point for me to have to get up. I can watch it in my. Pajamas with a hot cup of coffee, uh, but actually to have them see a desperate need that the fact, you no, know, you need other believers. And this is part of what Hebrew says. Don't don't neglect to gather meeting together. Um, right. That personal connection. Yeah. And having that one another. I mean, right. there's a lot of one another's within the scripture um, and having that connection with other believers. Um, I yeah. think is is kind of it for us.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Paul, you got to get a comment?
3: Well, I was just going to agree with Jason there and say, uh, you know, what's uh, COVID's kind of changed the landscape a lot where we used to have a lot more in worship. Our small groups are at the highest spot they've been since we've moved into this building for 30 years, the highest spot they've been.
0: Yeah.
3: But uh, our worship hasn't quite got there. And it's its a lot of what you, you said. A lot of people find the convenience of watching on TV. They, they lose out on that ministry of presence, which is not just important for worship but more central to what we're doing in small groups. They miss out on that. It's so important for them.
0: Yeah. I think that connection we're talking about now, you know, Back to Bo's comment and what I'm trying to do also at Philadelphia is trying to make those connections using uh, leaders like ourselves and trying to follow up, talking to them. I mean, I was on the phone this week talking to some of my Sunday school leaders and just, you know, how are you doing? What's going on or what are the challenges that you're facing? Trying to help them to know that I'm here to minister to them as they lead and make disciples. So that personal connection is pivotal, especially in the small group ministry model. So with that in mind... Uh sometimes we just need to we need to have a go to place for resources and for ministry ideas. So Jason, why don't you comment on maybe a little bit about where you go to try to get some kind of resource ideas uh or tools that's gonna help you in your ministry?
2: Uh really some places that I try to go to, um, it, it's not online, it's it's other pastors. Right. Um it's just talking to other other ministers, what's working with you, what's not working with you. Um you know, it's kind of like what we do really within our own meetings here within this, within this fellowship of tossing out ideas, bouncing them around, seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, every now and then I'll get emails from publishing companies about discipleship books um, or discipleship programs that I'll, I'll look into. Um, but I try not to, to go to what's what's new, what's catchy. Um, I want to see kind of what's working within it, because, you know, as we all know. Uh, within our own local churches, um, things have to happen al- almost organically. Right, um, you, you, they can't be forced. And I think a lot of what we, what I see, um, getting emails or trying to track trends, uh, it's not going to work in in our community within our congregation. Yeah, it may on a smaller scale within some of our body, but not on a much larger scale. So really, it's just within pastors of similar locations, um, similar church size. Um, maybe similar demographics. What's working? What's not working? It's
0: almost like you got to try to adapt these ideas into your situation, into your context. Right. Yeah, you can't copy and paste.
2: Right. It, it just sometimes it doesn't work.
0: Right. Bo, what about you? what uh, What are some
1: of those primary resources for you? Uh, <clears throat> well, I want to find people who are experts at their address. Does that make sense? So I want to be an expert at 276, and that's the address of our church. Um, And so I will connect with them. And so I will use the Internet or word of mouth and just find a church that uh, someone's talking about or uh, they have information out there. And I want to call them and I want to not just learn where they are. I wanna learn the steps that they took to get where yeah. they are. yeah. And then to be, begin to apply that to you know the 276. Um, so I'm introverted by nature and yeah. uh, quite honestly, very often feel like I don't have much or anything to offer. Uh, so it is a challenge for me to pick up the phone and call someone I've never met. Right. Uh, but I have rarely uh, walked away with thinking, oh, well, that was a waste of time um I always learned something that I could apply here um, at our in our context um we are as a church uh we just got back from Atlanta we went and visited some some uh with some people uh, over there we part we are currently part of the innovative church network mm-hmm. uh, I know that that sounds really cute uh, <laughs> but uh w- what we're really trying to be is not innovative. Uh, we're trying to take what we have that's good, make it better and then make the better best uh, because we believe that that's what our people in our our neighborhood uh, deserve. And it's certainly uh, what the Lord Jesus deserves as we uh, seek to glorify him. And so uh, we do a lot of reading together and uh, we take
0: books. Your staff reads together? Yeah, our staff
1: reads together. We read together with small group leaders as well. And, uh, some of these reads are softballs. Uh, others, uh, are, you know, like we're reading one as a, with our education staff right now, that is very challenging. And, uh,
0: so what is that resource it, you're reading now?
1: Uh, it's called the fifth uh, uh, discipline. Okay. And it's really, it's, it's written from a, a the guy that wrote it an MIT graduate. And I think he wrote it as a textbook. Um, and so, it's difficult and sometimes hard to navigate. Um, and so what we're doing, we, what we have to do is we read a chapter at a time and sit down and talk about it for yeah, an hour. Right. So we can all figure out what this really smart guy is saying to us. And how it um, fits in your context. Right. and how it fits in our context. And so, um, I mean, if, if we're Christian educators and we're saying that the best thing somebody can do, uh, to be, to live their life and glorify God and do the one and others is you got to get into a small group setting. Then I think if we're going to be better leaders, we got to get into a small group setting too. Right. And, uh, sit around knee to knee with people and, and talk through it. And so, um, I mean, whoever you love to read, someone mentioned a book to me uh, two days ago uh, that said this is a book that just changed our life. And uh, I said, well, I read that book and it changed my life. It literally shaped my whole philosophy of ministry. And uh, it's written by a man that's kind of unknown now in some circles. But Henry Blackaby wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership. And I read that in the early 2000s and it really changed me. But I thought back through that. I was also on a staff where we had to talk through that book. Uh, And so that was very, very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So when we think about not only our structure, but in our church, but also um, sometimes we need to learn new skill sets. So, uh, Paul, talk a little bit about what are some new skills that you've learned this past year?
3: Yeah, well, uh, my background before ministry or, in, and during ministry has been it, I was an it network administrator for more than 15 years. And so, uh, I have, I, I constantly keep a, uh, footprint in that field just because it, it, I feel like it helps out so much in ministry and so much of a digital ministry we deal with today as Christian educators, not just, uh, being there Sunday mornings and making phone calls sometimes it takes some extra pizzazz if you will right. to to get your people to listen to what you what you have to say and
0: keep their attention yeah
3: yeah yeah because you're you're battling so many things out there for their attention people are busier now than they've ever been but they're not busy yeah and and so what they they sit with their phone in front of their face all day but they have so many different sources that stream in so i'm just trying to engage with, uh, with what's already happening as much as I hate doing that. It's, it's just the reality of the situation. And so I've really invested in the communication side of things. Uh, we, we've switched, I used to just send out an email from my Gmail account, uh, and it would go to everybody and just be text, yeah, and have some pictures in it, but I, I'd never really felt like I knew my leaders were listening to, to what I was writing or reading what I was writing. And so what I did was I, I said, okay, how can I make this more engaging? Yeah. And um, I, I switched over to MailChimp, which is free for the first 2,000 emails sent. So if you have less than uh, so many contacts, I think it's 500 contacts, which we don't have 500 small group leaders. So right. yeah. I just put them in a list and that was easy. It took a second to get used to, but you can put uh, videos in there. You can... Uh, put images and they're all clickable. They're all interactive. And so just having that makes me have to put less text, more graphics.
0: Yeah.
3: And, and that, and with MailChimp, I actually get to see who is reading the email as a discipleship pastor. You want to know yeah, who's who read read the it. email. Right. Those analytics are so important. And so MailChimp gives that to you in a way that that is just uh, so helpful. There's other things out there besides MailChimp that does emails but that's just the most known one. Right. And that's what I'm using. Uh, the other thing that I've used that, uh, has been kind of a skill that I've developed is uh Canva C A N V A. Yeah. And, uh, what, what ministers need to know is that, uh, as five oh uh, five, oh, 501c3 organizations. Did I say that right? 501c3. Yeah. Yeah. As a nonprofit organization, you qualify for nonprofit discounts. There's a lot of tech companies that allow you to take advantage and get things for free. Microsoft Office, you can get for 10 people in your organization for free, the whole suite, Um, and then you can get the rest discounted. Well, Canva is one of those people who they'll give you 10 Canva accounts for zero dollars as a church organization, if you can prove that you're a nonprofit. And so I've done that and I've given it to all of our, uh, all of our pastoral staff and we all can use Canva and create these images uh, and and graphics that, that are really captivating. Uh, in fact, that's all we do. We don't do much Photoshop. We just get Canva, we create an image. And so you can have images that people can see, they can see some branding and it brings them back to what you're trying to say. Wow. So now what I do is I have an image and I say, click the image for more information, brings them to our website, which explains it more. And so it's just more of a, here's an a la carte kind of approach. Click on what you want to find out about.
0: So uh, those who just heard this, uh, your email address, so they can email you and ask you, and how do I get Canva for free? How do I get Microsoft Office for free? Your email address is. Yeah,
3: I typically don't tell people I have the IT background. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's um, a great
0: idea, and I really appreciate. Look up that. first denim,
3: you'll find. It. Yeah,
0: that's right. Um, and these things help our ministry because it 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 makes us do things better and 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 allows our our communication to be more targeted and focused and hopefully try to get that message out there. So uh, and I
3: always, th- oh, I'm sorry, no, I was going to say, I always think there's three, three types of communication as as a pastor I'm trying to have. I'm always trying to have mass communication, which is those emails, newsletters, announcements, the things that anybody can read. I'm right. trying to get those things out on the regular so people know what's going on and ways, opportunities to grow in their faith. But then I always try to have another level, which is peer communication, which is those, directed communications toward leadership. Right. And to have that. And then Bo talked about this so well, that personal communication. And so in these skills that I'm developing, I'm trying to think of innovative ways to communicate on a mass scale and also on a very individual personal relational, uh,
0: setting. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we mm-hmm. all need to, to grow and expand. I mean, we we need yeah. to learn new things and apply those things to our ministry and our personal life. So, Bo, what are some new skill sets that you found are important to you and to other ministers?
1: Well, what Paul said yeah, um, is, I mean, that's key. Communication is key. Uh, and so another level of that that I'm learning is someone said this statement at a conference I attended: that good leaders ask great questions. Yeah, and um, learning the art of asking great questions is something that I'm working on. And listening so to them. their responses. <laughs> yes, and because that that creates curiosity within me. I think a key component, not only in communication but in small group ministry, has to be curiosity. So when someone says something, you, you not only ask a follow-up for their own discovery, you ask a follow-up because you love them and you're interested in them uh, and you want to learn about them. And so uh, curiosity and good questions, asking uh, great questions, actually, um, is important. And uh, new skills that I'm learning is uh, being better at electronic communication. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, last night my wife looked at me and she says, "In some ways, you're very old." And (laughs) I thought, I thought she was talking about my. Yeah, I thought she was talking about my gray hair. No, she was, she was talking about my soul. Kind of an old soul, uh, if you will, uh, in this. And so, yeah, (laughs) me too. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm in good company. Um, and so we we crew we would get covered up with emails and leadership stuff and we would get covered up with text messages. And so someone introduced me to a platform called Slack Hmm. and it's just a tech texting app. And so we set up some groups and we use Slack for exclusively for work. And so, Hmm. um, and then I created uh, some, some friends that are a part of the Irresistible Church Network. We have, a Slack channel as well, where you can put, you know, a Slack communication would be small group ideas for the fall or what do you do with new believers? And so it's kind of like the old school discussion board. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you can go back and keep up with it and it's mm-hmm. tagged. And so I'm learning how to use that. And quite honestly, um, I spend about 15 minutes every morning just deleting emails, but uh, I interact with Slack throughout the day. Yeah. Um, me too. I'll tell you, yeah. I tell you another skill uh, that I've learned um, is I had to remember I was once one of the young guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had great ideas. At least I thought um, that no one listened to.
0: hmm
1: And so every week I sit down with a young person who's in ministry, mm-hmm. and I learn tremendous things and um
0: that's a great they, thought. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Of course I'm 60. So I'm, you know, but uh and that's why I try to engage, you know, young ministers and ask them their ideas and their thoughts cuz I'm learning too.
1: Yeah. And so man, these these guys are sharp yeah. and these ladies are sharp. I yeah. learned I learned something yesterday speaking with a girl uh who's in a lady who's in ministry. She's 29 or just turned 30. Uh, brand new, newlywed. She is one of the highest level leaders I've ever worked with in church wow. ministry. And uh, I just asked her, you know, why do your leaders love you so much? And she's, she gave me this giant list of all these things that she does with them and for them. Mm. And she, she says, I spend more time doing things with them than for them. Mm.
0: Wow. That's just
1: a, a simple statement, right?
0: That's right. And I'm, I'm telling you that that's, that's what it's all about, you know, because we sometimes forget that ministry is not about what we do. It's the people we connect with.
2: Yes. And so yes. I think that's an excellent point. Let me commend Bo. I've known Bo for two years and Bo does this very well. Uh, remember last year we had a meeting and Bo and I were talking. I was like, yeah, you know, Bo, I'd like to. I don't remember what it was now. But it was something. I was like, "Yeah, well, let's just get together." Bo called me the next day. Wow! And I, I like it was just odd because nobody calls nobody calls me first of all. But just <laughs> wait, the, I call you, you man. Call, but, yeah. Come on! But like immediately, he was like, "Hey, let's talk about this." And like it just kind of it, it made an impression on me. You know, this is a few weeks after you'd finally got back after the hurricane, um, and so we, you know, we kind of shared our stories over that. But it it threw me for a loop because nobody does that. It's always kind of yeah, we'll talk about it eventually and never get it. But Bo Bo's one of the few that I've I've known and Bo does this very well.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I got I got one I more question. Let's kind of wrap these things up. So I, I like what we're talking about, and and we've moved beyond just uh, you know our goals and objectives and our our ministries and our structures and our strategies, and we we've, we've begun to talk about how we try to interject you know new skills, new new uh, information, and all those things. But you know all that thing at some point comes to a crash if we don't take care of ourselves and our families. Ministry can be demanding. So, uh, Jason, won't you share a few of the ways that you try to balance your your work and your family and your friendships and even your own personal health?
2: Yeah, it for me, it's taken two different stages of life. So, before the for where I came, where, where I am now, the church I pastored for four years, um, I was in the midst of a PhD program, um, and I was working nonstop. So, so the way that I'm wired, yeah, um, I work until the job is the task is completed, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize I was doing that. Um, until my wife, you know, pointed it out. One, They're one day. so smart. They're yeah, so oh, yeah. smart. And and I just had no idea. Um, and so we, at that moment, we established, you know, like a work schedule because the church was a smaller church. They didn't have an office. So I, I stayed home and I worked from home. Um, and so we were, so I was able just to have a, an office hours, quote unquote. So from nine until four was, was office hours. So that's when I did sermon prep and I did schoolwork. And once four o'clock hit, that was it. It was done. Right. Um, And so going now from from being a solo pastor to going on to a church as an associate pastor um, and having kind of a different routine and, and, uh, you know, rhyme and rhythm and whatnot. uh, The one thing that I try to do is is put my phone up somewhere. I I hate I hate my cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I went through a period where I got, actually, I got a dumb phone. I got a light phone too, wow. uh, because I, I hated the phone so much. Now, here's the thing. The light phone too was not very helpful for, for ministry because I have to send out a lot of text messages. Yeah. Um, and so I had, unfortunately I had to go back. Um, uh, but what I found is if I can put my phone away, um, that that's paid and just, just focus on my family and on my right. children. I don't have email on my phone. Because I feel like if it's important, somebody's going to call me, and the email can wait. Um, so just just little things like that for me that that's it's just been helpful with trying just to find balance within in family. Um, just w- even with friends. I mean, I, I try regularly. I've got a two or three different group uh, text threads um, that I'm with that that's just man that I've known for a long time. Yeah. Somewhere in the ministry when I was a, a youth minister, and they were in my student ministry, um, and just checking on them regularly and. Personal health, I try to run. Um, I try uh, trying to run. It's it's emphasis on trying. It's finding the time, right? So, well, you you know how to run. Yeah, not not bad. That's (laughs) true. I should say that. Yeah, softball and t-ball season is. Ended yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, And so now having the time actually to go run and just kind of rejuvenate has been very helpful.
0: And kind of refresh your mind at the same time. And, you know, all those things like we hate to talk about diet, exercise, stuff like that. But those things are necessary. You got to find space. You got to find margin in your life to be able to take care of those things. So let me ask the other two of you, Bo first and then uh, Paul, just give me some, some ideas what you do to balance work, family with friendships and personal health.
1: And honestly, I I could spend hours talking about this because I think this is paramount to any of our health. John Sullivan said this years ago at one of the LBC conventions. He says, what if you're successful at what doesn't matter most? Mm. Yeah. And that brought a lot of things into perspective because I have a, a wife who's loving and caring who has a wonderful gift of hospitality, but also she has a little bit of profit in her too. And mm-hmm. so uh, she, she will say, she told me one day, and this is not confession time, but I think, I think if we nurture honesty, maybe in our homes and marriages, yeah. maybe some of our wives might feel as Olivia did. She says, you're a great pastor everywhere, except for here. Oh. Mm, that hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? But I, I tell you, that's what I needed to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that shifted some things in my life. And so, um, family wins. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think the pandemic my, has helped all of us to understand that too.
1: Yeah. My family wins while I'm going to love and care for your family. I'm not going to do it at the expense of mine. That's a great point, though. I appreciate that. And so, um, whenever it comes to parenting, um, you don't have to be the brightest light in our children's lives, but you need to be the light they look to. Right. Uh, And so that's going to have to be because of proximity to them and connecting. So when it comes to home, uh, lesson learned, home needs to win. Mm -hmm. uh, Work, because um, what we do is important, you know? Yeah. I'm not name dropping. I know I already said John Sullivan, but uh, (laughs) uh, one of the greatest guys in the world to me is Bill Taylor. Uh, And he says, you got it. The church is the most important business in the world. It's God's business. Mm -hmm. And so professionalism has to take root in what we do. And so uh, I don't know if you got to keep a time card or what, but uh, work hard, work fast, be diligent and leave the leave work at work there you go when you go home you know um friendships i I literally have the same best friend that i had when i was 13. wow um and i love it and he's a pastor here in our state and um just a lot of a lot of water under the bridge with the two of us a lot of life experiences he knows so secrets t- right he he knows he, he knows stuff he knows me yeah he that's knows right. me okay. and so uh, i'm grateful for that personal health quite honestly i got in a bad car accident in october and i've been doing physical therapy for seven months and so i'm healthier than i've ever been <laughs> uh, <and>
0: so <laughs> nothing like an accident yeah. to make you get healthy again right yeah
1: <laughs> i i, I want to say this i guess to wrap up my points about this. Um, uh, this is something I don't, uh, the seven principles, what we call it, not the book that got a lot of fireworks or anything. Yeah. But we rest every seven days. In fact, we rest every seven hours. We're going to sit down have a meal with somebody. We rest every seven days. Uh, I take a week off to simply be quiet and, and relax every seven months. Uh, every seven years, my family and I we do something significant together that is both fun and restful. Hmm. And then I hope someday if I live 70 years to take a bucket list trip and, and with friends and experience either the Holy Land or just something that you just look around and go only God could have done this right And so uh, that's a typical pattern that I've kept for about the last eight years. That's awesome. And this created health in me. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Thank you for the, that insight, there, Bo. Uh, Paul, expecting a baby, everything's about to change, yeah. brother. Yeah. How do you keep yeah. perspective?
3: Well, that's that's what's about to change. Uh, I mean, when you think of work, my my issue is uh, I came here in 2020, and I, I've had a chip on my shoulder, if you will, as most ministers <laughs> do, to to want to be the best of what I can do and yeah. give my best to it. And so you put as much time into it as you can. And then you realize at what cost, you know, yeah. like Bo was talking about. And, uh, I, I, I've kind of found that balance, but right now I'm still, I mean, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, something, Sunday nights, you know, they, they all get sucked up by the church and then you're trying to do what Bo was talking about, yeah. meet with people in your church, other leaders. And so it's not every week that that's the case. Uh, but sometimes it gets real busy busy. I'm, I also do a lot of events for the church and organize teams for that, but well, those teams require meetings and mm-hmm. then you have the event and that leading up to that event is complete overload. And so, uh, I found that involving more people can sometimes be more difficult. Uh, but, uh, in the end result, it saves you a lot of time. That's right. Yeah. Um, Working with teams is hard work on the front end, but on the back end, it gives you a balance. That's right. And uh, not everything, n- not every issue lands with you. You have people who are in charge of those things. And so, man, I am such a believer in, in work uh, of building teams, but also, as many of y'all have said, of setting times. Like we have office hours from eight to four. And a lot of us are kind of had different schedules. i typically show up at work at eight 30, but I, I tend to work a little later because it gets quieter. Yeah. Then we have some staff who come early, like 6 AM and they stay to about two or three What's wrong with those people. I don't know. I like sleep too much. <laughs> and uh, so, so I think a lot of our staff has figured out that balance, but the biggest thing is that rest. I think you, you gotta find, time for rest time to just let your brain do other things. Uh, I, I, noticed as, as, uh, Bo was talking about, uh, my anniversary is coming up at the, the end of this month. Uh-oh. You know, the first time I talked uh, thought about it was this morning. this morning. I was like, Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even thought about what we're doing. Um, don't let so, your
0: wife listen to this podcast.
3: Oh yeah. 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 For real. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I bought her a gift today, so just so y'all know, but anyway, it's going to be good. But, um, yeah, it just, just put in the focus toward the family and, and the best focus towards your family is going to enhance your ministry. No matter what, when you're getting refreshed at home, guess what you are when you get to church you're not feeling the weight of the world on you. You're feeling I'm ready for this. Right. And yeah. so that's a big, big deal. As far as, uh, friendships, uh, you know, I have, uh, some buddies I went to seminary with, and they, they were some of my greatest pals. They were all in my wedding. And, uh, we go out, uh, a few of us go out every month and we get lunch together. That's great. pastors just talking shop. Yeah. And so that's really a lot of fun. I also have a lot of buds that I call up on the regular and just keep in touch with and and other people that feed into my life. I have a few mentors that, that I constantly get in contact with, um, and personal health. My wife is more of the, uh, exercise person than I am and I'm getting better at it, but, uh, uh, we typically go for walks at night and it's a very nice thing, Good. but man, it gets hot. Yes, so. it does. And it's going to get hotter to the point where I get running highs, you know, I'm just <laughs> running. is just hard. No matter what Jason, I do it, it Jason wants you easier. to come
0: run with him, man. Yeah, come come on now.
3: <laughs> Sorry. You don't want me.
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, and wrapping up, I'm, I'm telling you, this is all great information. And, uh, but you know, interestingly enough, all of that depends upon your spiritual health. We need to have that time daily with God in our prayer life, in our devotional life, and and just trying to allowing God to renew our spirit and our heart and our mind so that we can be free to focus on all these things. The life of a minister is a dynamic environment. And so I want to applaud you guys uh, for what you do and all that you've been able to accomplish and what God will in the future accomplish through you as long as we make ourselves available to God. So to Bo Guidry, Jason Keyes, and Paul Keating, thank you so much for your time today and for your insight and your information. And I look forward to... uh, having our podcast move forward and lots of stuff and information we'll be talking about in the future. But for today, thank you so much. God bless and have a great, great day. Well, thank you for joining us today. We, we pray that something that was said that God will use it in your life and ministry to help you to be the man or woman of God that he can use to accomplish his will for his glory. There's nothing more exciting than to be inspired to find new meaning, purpose, and vision for your ministry. No matter the season, rest assured, God has a plan. You can always find helpful tools and resources on our website at s.org I encourage you to check it out today, and please join us for our next episode.